Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. Helen here. Today, I'm here to tell you about Celine, a podcast recently launched on the RQ Network. Step into Celine, a city cloaked in darkness and teeming with horrors. From evil headmistresses to murderous marionettes, black worm parasites, haunted hotels, and eerie sleepwalkers, meet the paranormal investigators of Needle Street, newly arrived to battle the encroaching malevolence. Inspired by Poe, Edward Gorey, and Agatha Christie, their adventures promise twisted mysteries and unforgettable characters. Immersive audio brings the city to life, blending dark humour with bone-chilling suspense. Join the investigators as they navigate Celine's shadows, where mystery and intrigue await at every turn. And now, you can experience the thrill of Celine in Dolby Atmos. So, search Celine wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-E-L-E-N-E. Or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information. Hello, folks. Helen here, voice of Azu in Rusty Quill Gaming. This is an advert for the podcast Anomaly. Anomaly is a TTRPG meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios like learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land once vanquished by a dragon, all connected by a shared mythology. The podcast combines the traits of a great dungeon master with those of a meditation guide, weaving tales of fantasy that stretch the imagination, while you learn to centre yourself, find confidence and relieve stress. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard, Anomaly is available wherever you find podcasts or at seekanomaly.com. That's S-E-E-K-A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E dot com. That's all from me. Enjoy your episode and take care of yourself. Hi everyone, Ben here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. James Gibson, Samantha Emery, Elizabeth, Erin Butler, Dominic Zeal, Paul Browning, Letizia Yemmer, Sarah Mannering, Corey Newman, Tyler Reisinger, a.k.a. Silphius, Deirdre, S.J. Patterson, Kay Hoddy, Danielle Boucher, Jen Moore, Paul Courtney, Tyler Shields, Jen Roth, Kathy Sandifer, Jeffrey Lisansky. Thank you all.
We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. and welcome to the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. I'm your host and normally GM Alex Newell and with me today I have... James Ross, Raymond Rye, Ben Meredith. And welcome back to everyone. If this is the first episode you're listening to, why? Why did you start in the second half of a season one catch-up? Yeah, this is definitely part two this of two. Surely this is start literally on the, the worst place to start. Like, we, we, we set What's this up for you? you. We set this up for you. Start, so easy. Start in the first half of the you season one so catch-up. so disappointing. If I could find you, I bet we wouldn't get on. (laughs) Anyway, picking up from where we left off on our season one catch-up. To Dover, because we're finally leaving London. Uh, We're heading to Paris to to follow up on the Francois Henri And again, a piece of world-building reasons you were going to Dover. There were multiple ways to get to Paris. Expensive airships. Of course, you could have taken a uh, ship over the sea. Or the channel tunnel exists in this because when you have earth elementals to dig your tunnels, things get easier. However, because you have earth elementals to dig, there was no reason not to have done that from Dover as well. So they were both there, hence why you're heading to Dover. Yeah, so we get there and it's raining quite a lot. So we do what any good adventurers do and go to a restaurant uh, called the Soggy Admiral. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. A little, high, a little higher than the uh, soggy captain, but... Uh... And not as bad as the soggy cabin boy, which is just a wet boy who offers you a prawn <laughs> in the street. <laughs> he just holds it out for lonely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in his coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have a, a bit of a fight. Uh, well, we don't have a fight. Uh, Bertie diffuses a fight by being very intimidating with some merchants who are very well, annoyed. Oh, yes, that was in the restaurant. Turned, because yeah. it turns out that a uh, bit of friction with the... Cult of Poseidon. Yeah, yeah, it's not very good. Basically, there's some loads of storms, yes. and they think the Poseidon cult should sort it out, and they're not. Correct. So at this point, we head down to uh, where we've been told there's a bit of trouble, which is a riot. Yeah, or, uh, a protest, really, at that point. And the protest is about to turn into a riot when Bertie single-handedly Can't takes riot. it over. Yep. And basically just tells everyone to sit down and shut up. And yep. they do. Yeah. Well, even more impressively, it had turned into a riot. Stones were being thrown, people were fighting. Uh, and yeah. he just shouted at people and they went, I guess we probably should sit down. <laughs> yeah. I was it doing was, a fight, but... It was pretty amazing. It was yeah. a lesson in how the world shouldn't work. Yes. <laughs> he who shouts loudest is in control of everything. Yep. So that's successfully diffused. Uh, we get invited to stay at the Admiralty. Yes, Commander Barnes. I believe you learned mm-hmm. his name a little bit later. Yeah, we do that. Uh, we have a lovely evening. It's full of uh, booze. Barnes has a very interesting sword, which is also made of Damascan adamantite, I think. Although old Damascan adamantine, yeah. so it is all elaborate. And Bertie briefly discusses the uh, the nuances borrowing of it. borrowing it on an extended period. It doesn't we go don't. too well. Yeah. And it becomes readily apparent that Barnes has a bit of an issue with pretty much Bertie and Hamid as... He don't like posh people. Pretty much. Pretty much. So we have actually quite a nice meal and Zolf says a little too much about his history. Yes. Um, because we stay the night and I think in the morning I'm under house arrest because he's done a little bit of digging and found out that I am AWOL. Correct. Missing, presumed dead. Correct. But never actually went back to the Navy. And he he transfers you to the local jail and the most wonderful jailer ever to exist. He's lovely. And (laughs) we discover Zolf's fondness for... He ignites a passion for romantic novels. Yeah, he does. Proper Mills and Boone trash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And I think he's also enjoying his time there. Yeah, it actually is. It's quite nice. Meanwhile, the rest of the party engaging we in an episode single, single female. female lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, form a crack legal team <laughs> and formulate a strategy to win Zolf's case and get him off. As he's up on a court-martial, I believe. During the part of that, during your investigation, you spend a bit more time with Barnes and Hamid manages, with the help of the rest of everyone, to research a bit more about the case involving Zolf's ship and the situation where he went AWOL, didn't you? Yeah, so basically uh, you find out that his ship was attacked, destroyed? It's not very clear. But something happened to it and it fell apart, which is bad. Everyone ended up in the sea, also bad. And there were only two survivors? Well, three. Three, including Zolf. Yeah, including Zolf. There was the captain, who uh, took early retirement and refuses to talk about it. And one other person who also refuses to talk about it. So it's uh, shrouded in mystery, really. Nobody mm-hmm. really knows what happened. And yeah, it, I remember it being very mysterious, and we mm-hmm. never really found out exactly. Or did we? Later, there might be a thing that did it. So you then managed to go do your court-martial trial, basically? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the stakes were I would be deported to Australia. Yes. So be a bit of a spanner in the works. <laughs> yes. I, it would make the world tour easier in... Some ways. <laughs> Getting a direct But remote. mostly not. Yeah, but yeah, then, it goes really well, I yeah, think. Yeah, you, you slam it on the uh, single female lawyer side with one of the most heartfelt speeches, montages. It, it was incredible. It was a feat of both writing and acting that lives on in memory. But the audio equipment wasn't working that day, so we only caught like, the final yeah, sentence Yeah, definitely, definitely that. Definitely um, that. So, I mean, that's a bit disappointing to all of us. But I think yeah. we should let that speech but, but, live in live on in our memories forever. It's disappointing to posterity more than <laughs> than any individual, really, isn't it? So ultimately, after um, the impassioned defence of his that hook, I'm just given a, a nice ordinary court martial and, and have to buy yourself out from the military, which is I think two thousand gold. Yes, uh, which we can just about we scrape um, together between can us. Scrape together. It's much to Bertie's chagrin. No. Oh yes, because he offered us an interest-free loan. I know. That was sorry. It's, in, it's outraged both in and out of character. <laughs> It's just just poor financial planning. But before you manage to finish your court-martial, whilst Zolf is in the prison, you are visited by... Uh, The High Priest of Poseidon in Dover, who is a big, loud, horrible man, um, who demands that I be set free, uh, even despite the fact it was a military matter, and they refuse. And the entire town is up in arms about the point cult of Poseidon anyway. Not a good PR guy. Not a great PR guy now. Um, But yeah, he storms in, scares everyone and storms off again and makes sure, uh, tells me that I have to come and see him uh, as soon as I'm out, basically. Indeed. So once we've dealt with the legal matters, we head on down to the Shrine of Poseidon, which is carved into the very cliffs of Dover Mm. uh, and is a giant screaming face. Well, we decided that the closest replica we could say is if you ever look at a photo of James Ross, the guy who plays Bertie, his screaming face is is sort of, you know, the face of Poseidon manfully stood on the side of Dover with his trident. Chalk cliffs, tea towels, it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you head into that chapter of the Cult of Poseidon's headquarters. Yep. Quite literally Uh, through the mouth of Poseidon. And while three of us stand at the top committing microaggressions towards a merman. Indeed. Well, he was an aquan. Also, I think that was mainly... Oh, they keep going. See, you just don't stop, do you? I think that was Bertie and he was doing macroaggressions. (laughs) There's nothing subtle about it. It was kind of... You've got gills, nya, 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 nya. <laughs> I think there's, a, there's at least 10 minutes of that episode, which is just fish-based puns. They are. Um, it's, 
If you like that sort of fish baiting, I think is the. If you like that sort of thing. And Zolf is brought up before a council of his superiors. Yeah, and told off, uh, basically, uh, because during the basement at Q, he'd lost his powers. Yes. Which is a shame. That's what happens when gods give you powers, they can take them away again. And uh, it's basically told that you don't just have to try and drown people, which was news to Zolf, because he's been back. But apparently you've got to do this whole helping thing, which is a bit <laughs> Sacrifice weird. Sacrifice comes in many forms, is yeah. what I believe you were told. Which is a bit odd, because that sounds like more of Apollo's deal. Poseidon's a bit more... Drown them! Drown them all! Just, just balance, you know? Oh, come on. Apollo's less about sacrifice and more is it about... Because I was drown- oh, everything's great! Hi! Is it because I was drowning humans and not horses? Well, <laughs> we'll have to investigate that, eh? Yeah, fair enough. Um, but in order to uh, curry favour again with, well, the chapter and the gods... Uh, they knew we were going to Paris. Yes. And they decided that the best way for us to get there... Was effectively going across an extremely stormy English Channel on a coracle. And also asked you to keep an ear out for any other stories of extended storms and other such unusual weather as they've been having reports around the globe and they really, really need to know what's going on because Mm -hmm. as far as they're concerned, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I totally forgot that. Yeah. We haven't been near the sea since. And it's worth pointing out the only reason the town were annoyed at the cult of Poseidon is because they had previously dealt with storms and made them go away. And suddenly, every time the weather's bad, everyone's like, yo, Poseidon guys, fix this for us. It was it was a bad day. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Zolf says, oh, he's going to do that, and the party can do whatever they want. Uh, both Hamid and Sasha... Yeah, hats off to both of you, actually. Uh, Sasha especially well, no, hats because off to all she of... was terrified. Yeah, but also hats off to everyone, because Bertie took one look at a small rowboat when I'm wearing plate armour. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Bertie is an idiot, but he's not an idiot. Yeah. So he... <laughs> He, he got the train. We also made a wager. Uh, the first one to get to, I think it was Garden Nord in Paris. Oh no, it was first to get to Calais. Yes, first to Calais. First to Calais. Yeah, first to Calais. Wins two hundred gold. Yes. So Bertie, with like, storms off perfectly happy because he's got the opportunity of winning money and a nice train journey. Yep. And uh, we set off in our little. little and then we boat. split the party because that's always a good yeah. idea. So we spend the next three episodes with two halves of the party or something like that, yeah. which is, must have been a nightmare for so, the GM. Uh, it's fine. Once you can just delay one character indefinitely and unfairly for taking the train, <laughs> it gets much easier. Mm. Yes, so I think it's probably useful to just do each part in turn without jumping between the both of them. And a lot happens, so like if we just lot, skim. Those of us on the boat. Those of us on the boat. It all goes well and then really badly. Everyone nearly drowns. Mm. Hamid gets stuck in the boat upside down. Both uh, Sasha and Zolf are free swimming and really struggling. Yep. I believe there's a period where Zolf chucks basically all of his equipment into the sea. Basically tells Poseidon to uh, go away and take him, not Sasha, because it's his fault. Hey, it lasted long enough for you to be in the eye of the storm. Yeah, did. We were in the eye of the storm, got everyone back in the boat and managed to sort of... uh, make our way out just about the other interesting thing we saw was a giant metal tentacle which Mm. came through and this is why I say maybe that's what sunk Zolf's ship or maybe something like it who knows we actually don't but yeah assumedly big squid robot might be this world's Nautilus just riffing here because I've got no idea (laughs) Um, it was very mysterious we only caught a glimpse of it very seriously big but yes we washed up on the beach quite a way south of Calais Yes. Yeah. Um, and I find my trident in a bush. Yep. So that's handy. Uh, and then we met two eccentric English women. English women uh, having a car race around northern France. Yeah. Uh, and we managed to persuade them to give us a lift to Calais. Yeah. Uh, and it was exciting and very dangerous. Meanwhile, 
What was Bertie up to? Bertie gets the train. Bertie is impeded by bureaucracy. Bertie uh, bribes bureaucracy. Let's, he let's, does. Let's, let's dig in a little deeper. Okay. Bertie rocks up to the tunnel. The tunnel's not even running because it's flooded, at which point Bertie finds the person in charge and goes, is it five gold flooded or 50 gold flooded? A discussion ensues. Turns out the person's terrible at maths. You get them to open the station on the electric-powered train which is awash with water and as every school child knows mixing water and electricity never goes wrong exactly so after we've got the train moving you carry on down the tunnel and yep. then the train stops yep basically it stops and you encounter doom driver because everything's <laughs> doomed and they're doomed and they shouldn't be there because that, they're doomed that was another excellent npc who should definitely form part of a spin-off yeah. <laughs> so bertie in his wisdom basically forces the guy to teach him how to rewire the train rewires it through the middle of the train all of the electricity from the elemental at the front briefly considering releasing the elemental but deciding against it maybe not now and then just forces everyone off the train and begins marching towards Calais on foot, mm -hmm. accompanied by the author of all of the stories that Zolf is such a fan of. Oh, is it? Is yeah. It? It, really? Yeah. Yeah. If you um, actually pay attention to I the names... I completely not picked up on Bertie that. Has, Bertie has met the author of all of the novels that Zolf's mad yeah. for. And almost killed him by and accident. Almost killed him. No, no, by accident on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, and Brutor. Brutor was and also Brutor, there, of course. Brutor, of course. Yep. Brutor's there perpetually now. The yep. NPC that never should have been ha, 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 is now ha, ha, a core ha. character. Well, he's. I've got. If Bertie's got that level of handle animal, like, I've got a handle an animal <laughs> at some point. Like, what's the point? I mean, I just. Oh, well done. You've successfully stroked the chin of a cat. Like, oh, brilliant. That's okay. So also, he's you, definitely going to sell them as t shirts, so you should be thankful. Yeah. So you continue on until you find the flooded tunnel, try and take a diversion down some service tunnels, which waste an enormous amount of time. Yep. You finally manage to make yourself out the other end, and there is a brief disturbance at the station of Calais as what can only be described as a sea creature that looks like Bertie and a little smaller sea creature that looks like Brutor arise from the depths extremely angry. They've never seen anyone dirty in France, so it's a bit of a shock for them. <laughs> Eventually, you manage to clear up the fact that you're human and through an enormous amount of intimidation, manage to finally, finally, after hours and hours and hours, convince customs to let you out of the station. Yeah. And then from there, jumping back to uh, Hamid and co on your madcap drive towards Paris. Uh, yeah, so uh, me and Sasha are in one car and uh, Hamid's in the other. Our car just totals itself <laughs> and then explodes. Uh, no one is killed, amazingly. Um, so we have to hitchhike. Yep, but, uh, but Hamid manages yes. to make it at least. Hamid, Hamid wins time. the race, but basically lets Bertie go ahead of him. Well, this is the thing. Bertie turns into France's angriest man <laughs> who kidnaps somebody to and direct them towards the hotel. Yep. And everyone's laughing at him in Paris. Oh, yeah, for some reason. So, but, yeah, yeah. Hamid, you're furious. <laughs> yep. Hamid just beats him and then really, really, like, considerately allows... Diffuses the situation so that Bertie doesn't uh, explode. Bertie would have definitely done a murder. Yeah. And so you enter, I believe the hotel was Se? Se. Se. It was very, very, very now and quite pretentious. <laughs> So, three episodes later, the party is finally no longer split. Yeah. Correct. And Zolfo owes Bertie 200 gold. Yep. So, I believe from Say, having reconvened and caught up and just had a moment to breathe, you moved on to Paris. Yes, we take a nice, simple train. So, train journeys, 
when we're all together, really, really, really uneventful. Simple. They just it's go, really well, all right. great. Yes. What happens if you have a state-run railway system? Just saying, carry on. <laughs> that is word for word what you say at this point. Is it really? <laughs> word for now, word. Don't criticise me for holding consistently fact, to my principles. I think you gonna... sound like the right of the Labour Party. <laughs> I think I might actually slam cut to your exact <laughs> intonation of that joke and back again. So, yes, you managed to make it to Paris. Uh, incredibly metropolitan and advanced and significantly... And there's a clockwork man waiting at the station. Oh, yeah, just ticking along being spooky. With a sign saying, Sasha Rackets. Yeah. And he basically leads all of you. And you decide to go with it. Against Sasha's wishes, immensely again, by the way, I'll point out. You are led towards the premier establishment of Paris. The premier inn. <laughs> <laughs> La Triomphe, a hotel which is world class and a stone's throw from L'Arc d'Ordinateur, in our world, obviously, the um, Arc de Triomphe. And as such, you head into the hotel. We are gifted the presidential suite. Yeah. Well, no, Sasha. Isn't gifted. Sasha owns the presidential it has been, Apparently. It has been bought in perpetuity in Sasha's name, yeah. which freaks her out even more. And so I think we spent two episodes eating huge well, lobsters. no, you're skipping ahead because I believe there's a period where you decide what you really need is to have a good talk and find out that there is a room which is free from all observation the of the exposition box and mundane, yeah. as is now referred to colloquially as the exposition box. And then have a bit of a heart-to-heart. I'm pretty sure we ate the lobsters before we went into the exposition box. Yeah, I'm box. pretty sure. <laughs> We've well, got yeah. our priorities lobsters, right. Lobsters, then exposition box, yeah. then more lobsters. <laughs> yep. And in the exposition box, I believe Bertie decides to have a bit of a share. Uh, yeah, Bertie spurges and tells everybody all about their contract um, and how if he is unheroic, etc., etc., then uh, he will be erased from history and confined to a dim distant dimension etc so he's off hunting for glory etc and that is why he is there and what he's doing and the second that he vacates that room no i've got a burning tattoo oh no this was ill-advised ah um yeah and it's sort of a three strikes and you're out thing yes because Um, as you return to the suite upstairs existence you are immediately visited by harkness harkness darkness and sphinx Mm -hmm. or at least their representatives just two two of them them. yeah and they make a point of spelling out that, yes, you've you reached... all know Mish lawyers. So. <laughs> <laughs> you've reached the terms of your contract by letting people know. And you're going, oh, no, will this mean they're punished? At which point the lawyers say, no, <laughs> you're punished. That's how contract law works. So, therefore, you are now on your strike and you have two more strikes effectively. Mm-hmm. And probably shouldn't be telling people about this contract. Yep. So after that, we decided to start doing some investigation about this Francois Henri chap. Although I'll mention, just from a personal standpoint, Sasha has a lovely moment sat on the roof with all of the gargoyles who act as security for the hotel and Mm -hmm. ends up just getting to know a bunch of gargoyles. I just quite like that as a little point (laughs) that ended up happening. But yeah, you head towards La Triomphe. We do, and in order to try and get some information, we... Organise a tour. Yes. And Hamid also gets a date. Yeah, he does. With the person working the front desk. Mm-hmm. And on this tour, Sasha sneaks away from the party and yes. actually manages to make it all the way to Francois Henri's office yes. while we just continue our tour. Yes. And then something strange happens because she gets in, has a bit of a chat to Francois Henri. And then you all meet up outside. Yeah, fade to black. And she says they had a lovely chat, but not about anything very specific. Or how long, or why, or where. And her memory has been played with. Yes. Yeah. So we're all very confused about that. Indeed. But I think from the person working at the front desk... Yes. So we find out a bit more. 
Yes. Yeah. Find out about Amelie Rose, I think. Yes. That she was also asking the same questions. An investigative reporter. For... <laughs> Le Gazette Grand. Le Gazette Grand. The massive it. newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's, it's one which, broadsheet. Which, again, canonically has been decided to just be literally, it's a massive, yep. massive broadsheet, is how they publish. <laughs> uh, so we go to their offices. And meet your most deadly foe. Which is an old fat man yep. who drops bottles on us. <laughs> yeah. He dropped uh, sacks of something on us, didn't he? Well, bottles and sacks. He a drops, variety of He drops things. bottles. You pursue him onto the rooftops. He begins to escape. You try and pursue him. He drops something, demolishing the rickety roof he, he was stood on, taking out Sasha, at which point I believe you might want to describe this bit particularly. Bertie's darkest oh, moment. Bertie, yeah. Uh, look, all I'm saying is that if Brutal hadn't struggled, it would have been fine so many ways. It's Brutal's Blaming fault. Blaming the victim. Yeah. Bertie 101. Yeah. So uh, Bertie uh, tosses uh, Brutal over the chasm between buildings and fails spectacularly and Brutal hits the side of the building and falls up Well, let's be specific. You drop Brutal on Sasha, Sasha. (laughs) thus taking Sasha out and potentially crippling Brutal. Then you have your finest idea, immediately charging off the roof to try and make the jump yourself and landing on the ground as well to allow Zolf to turn up to the mess that was his party. And he, he lands on Sasha. Yes. Which again gives Sasha another set of scars. Oh yes, you have you have a she has a Maltese Falcon, Falcon imprinted, imprinted her upon her yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I I turn up after having because um, I have a peg leg, I have a movement speed of pathetic. Yes. Uh, and only just make it to the fight after it's over. So that man gets away. Yep. Heal up Bertie yep. and Brutal and Sasha. Unfortunately for Bertie, Brutal was a bit. Annoyed? Yeah. Mm. He runs um, off. He, he runs he off. He runs off into, into Paris. At which point Bertie runs off. Because yeah. Bertie has priorities and you are not them. Yep. yep. So we let Bertie go. Yep. And then we do some investigation in the offices of La Gazette Grande. Yes. We and did. We found some records about what Amelie Rose had been researching, but mm-hmm. basically not very much. We did find, however, the address of her mother. And you found out that the entirety of La Gazette Grande, in dribs and drabs, got shut down almost artificially as everyone left the Wonderful other opportunities, more or less. Yeah, we've got... We found a list of people who had all had mysterious, unexpected, happy things happen Mm. to them. So you then decided to go visit um, Amelie Rose? Well, I think slightly before that, we also see Bertie off. Ah, yes, I do forget. We find him at the station. Yeah, getting on a train. And he just leaves. A midnight train. Mm, Going going anywhere. anywhere. Anywhere, I think, really. Yeah. 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 Be more specific. And this is where we head into our little Bertie spin-off side quest. We won't go into huge amounts of detail here, as it was, as said, a side quest. It's a lot like Frasier. It's it's labelled in the feed. <laughs> You'll be able to listen to them actually pretty much in isolation if you chose. Does that mean I get yeah. to be Niles? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Amazing. I'll be Niles. Uh, so the side quest was a bit fun. Again, it happened without Lydia. And as we have previously established, Lydia is the best part of the podcast. She was off having real-life adventures yeah. as oh, opposed yeah, to our that was fake it. adventures. I, do, I, I forget. Anyway... That happens, and Bertie... so while Bertie is away, yes. the remaining three party members went to visit Amelie Rose's mother, who basically understood everything and told us what was going on because we didn't. A load of people who had anything even remotely to do with sort of archaeology 
and the automatas mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. all left for amazing adventures and even emily rose was away in america on a wonderful opportunity but her mother certainly seemed on the impression that she was dead yeah and suggested you could probably access via the archaeological dig which was happening so we go to Notre Dame, but really that only results in a tour and we learn about the paladins yeah. of Apollo who are big and loud and stupid. <laughs> so yes, then we go and uh, investigate the ar archaeological digs. And use it to get into the crypts. A bit too quickly because yeah. we are entirely unprepared. We have one torch and only I can see in the dark. It was supposed <laughs> to be a scouting mission, but we took the opportunity to get away. So it went really well. Hey, heading into the Parisian catacombs with no official yeah. escort, no one knowing that you're going there and no preparation only ever ends well. So I think the first thing is we got a bit lost. To get lost, we would have had to know where we were going in the first Fair place. Correct. Uh, then there was a cave-in. Correct. Which Hamid made worse. That Correct. was really bad. Yeah. I, it's significantly worse. I lost the use... I rolled four ones in a row, Yeah, that everybody. was pretty bad. I'm amazed none of us died. Um, but I lost the use of my other leg. And Hamid, Hamid lost, lost the use, the use of, his... of his right hand? Left hand. Left hand. Uh, so that's not good. And Sasha had to go and uh, scout herself with her very loud, worry wind-up torch. She picked up from the dig. And when she was going round, she ended up encountering an enormous pit Scary. full of filth. Oh, and a goop pit. A yeah. goop pit. And then at the goop pit, started getting stalked by an absolutely hideous monster. Tentacle monster. Got no idea what it is. It's got eyes where its teeth should be and teeth where its eyes should be. <laughs> and tentacles for the rest. So, cutting a long story short, everyone started panicking. She ran back to us. We all tried to run away. Which was really difficult because you couldn't walk yep. and I only had one working arm. And only you could see in the dark. Yep. You eventually managed to make your ways to a precarious bridge. Yep. Only to then get ambushed by the thing which was navigating easily and effectively. It's like it was built for this environment. It yanked uh, Zolf immediately off the bridge. Zolf went flying into a mysterious chasm and was never heard from again. Yeah, my last, uh, my last thing was to try and throw my trident at it and I missed. But you lost your trident again, that's the important thing. I did lose my trident. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I think then, I now have none of my starting gear. Correct. And then the creature also managed to grab Hamid, pull him back towards the bridge and chuck him over. And then Sasha again. What you know, in the retelling, Sasha comes off as the only truly capable She's member the hero. of the group. She is the hero. She ends up in complete pitch darkness, because the torch falls with you, climbing down a cliff to try and find out what happened to you all. And eventually at the point of exhaustion ends up falling into what turned out to be an underground river at the bottom of that ravine and yep. also blacking out. Yep. So then uh, we all... Well, I wake up... Yes. Uh, ...in a lab. In a, spooky in a tank lab. ...with a metallic bit of apparatus down my throat helping me to breathe and ports all over my arms and legs. I say that. I don't have any legs anymore. Yeah. The other one got removed, uh, as, again, at the knee. So, yeah. Uh, so I climb out. Yep. And remove the thing from my throat, and uh, I find Hamid is kind of fine. Fine, he's on a table, and he's just oh, he's he's had his arm has been uh, had surgery done on it, but other than that, he's pretty fine. Mm -hmm. Sasha, on the other hand, is laid out on a table Inside quite literally out. because her organs are kind of propped up in different places, yep. just outside of her torso. Although she doesn't appear to be dead. No, uh, and she's also not conscious. Um, so I put her back together again. You put her back together again masterfully and no one will ever know, but you do an excellent job. I know, and Mr. Ceiling knows. Yes. Mm. Because... So, yes, um, so suddenly we hear somebody coming. Large uh, metallic footsteps, ominous, scary, bigoted. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, turns out it was Bertie all along. <laughs> turns out after his side quest he'd been contacted by Wild. Told we're in a bit of trouble. Mm -hmm. Wild being a meritocratic agent and our... On the sly. Uh, much to our joy. 
and he contacted the Apollo and was sent down with his escort of... Oh, I can't remember. They're just like hot meat. The four <laughs> Chippendales. But their names were like Stephen, Barry, yeah. Will. <laughs> yep. That's all but he was willing to call them. Doesn't doesn't really matter. One of these yeah. filthy foreign names. You mean you mean Stefan, Guillaume, and I forget who the last yeah. one was. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so then we find out that the ceiling is alive. Um, I'm really has, happy to see you. Yeah, we have appendages and robotic voices and Bertie calls it Mr. Ceiling and that sticks. Because that's how canon works. Apparently you You're just asking. get the name in first and I just have to roll with it. Yeah, you do. Oh, I, th I think uh, that sounded like a no but to me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you ended up encountering a ceiling which eventually then led you to an enormous cavernous vault. Yeah. It turned out to be a creepy computer constructed out of the brains of dead people. Definitely a supercomputer, maybe even a hypercomputer, if such a thing would even exist. And it was really happy to see Sasha, because yeah. it had been missing Sasha a long time. It turns out one of the brains used to belong to Sasha's friend, Brock. Yeah. And Brock retained some sliver of individuality which within the never-ending nightmare of being trapped inside this computer. Which is yeah. why it had uh, siphoned funds off without it knowing, because it's more of a gestalt entity. Yep. So this one brain had slightly rebelled and, um, yeah, had bought the top room of the uh, uh, the Triumph. But it was okay because that was immediately taken away. Yeah, it was fixed. And it revealed itself to be incredibly evil and manipulative and, and well, seeking to take over the world and murder lots of people well, to fuel its expansion. incredibly yeah. naive and accidentally evil and manipulative because it definitely hadn't had the three laws. Correct. It, had, it had one instruction because, uh, oh, it was built by Francois Henri, head of the Ordinateurs. Well, who you then went to go meet. Who went then gone to meet. It turns out it had rewritten his memory so much it completely destroyed his he mind. He was a broken, sh hollow shell of a human being. So Bertie killed him. Correctly. Yeah, I mean, we all he was also that, the person responsible for harvesting the brains to put into the computer in the first place, and therefore yeah. deserved everything that happened to him. Unfortunately, the one instruction he'd left the computer with was nobody should know about you, and no other guiding principles, because that's how you program. Yeah, yeah, it didn't go great. So no. then, after that, let's. Well, see. we all try and talk ethics. Um, I do a really good job of convincing it that maybe hey, you it wants open to... that computer's minds yeah. to whole new vistas of opportunity. And Unfortunately, potential. I treated it as a child. Uh, not as a robot with no instructions. So try to talk <laughs> to him. And then we let up. the computer talk to Bertie and give him <laughs> ideas. Which yeah. was a terrible, terrible thought. So we stay with it for a couple of weeks. Because, well, you oh, stay for, for a, a week. You stay for a week for the simple reason that there's not really a solution to this problem because if you leave, it's your memories too are powerful. Yeah. yeah. So I pray about my legs. Yep. Uh, and again, get mixed messages. Yeah, get a mixed message. Again, thanks, Poseidon. <laughs> um, Sasha has yet another really heartfelt and beautiful moment uh, talking to Mr. Ceiling and the aspect of it that might be Brock. Yep. Hamid is finding out the best way to kill the thing. Because Hamid's just Hamid decided. Out. Hamid yeah. has just decided this needs to Hamid end. is certain. And uh, Bertie cements himself as a complete monster. All Bertie wants is his friend Brutor back. I would say that's quite a lovable thing. And then However... Brutor comes back, but, you know... Then what did you decide to do to Brutor? I changed his memory. Yeah. It's the ultimate gaslight. Of all of the things that Bertie has done, everyone's objecting to like wiping the memory of a dog. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, so there's a brief discussion about maybe you'll get around to modifying the rest of the party's mind so that they love you more. Yeah, maybe. And then you will have a bright idea to do with your contract, don't you? I, I should point out, by the way, that when you say you, you do mean Bertie for of course, all these things, of course. just to clarify of on this. Ja in all fairness, James, you are actually a good person who I know and respect. <laughs> 
I won't go that far. And um, <coughs> no, 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 I do know you. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, yes. So uh, Bertie seizes this opportunity to have his um, approach the contract as a problem and has his brain blasted full of ultimate legal knowledge. So he is now a legal genius. Well, insofar as his own contract. And as far as his own contract. And all it happened to do was push out any knowledge you had of any finances anything tied to you or the contract in any way, including... Ba -ba -ba -da. Means off's off the hook for 200 gold. Uh, was it... Hang on, was it as far as... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it was pretty bad. It's almost like giving it free reign to tinker in your brain had ramifications. Uh, but okay. as we previously established, there are no ramifications for any actions in this one. I think the idea is you're, you're aware you're in debt and you're aware of, like, your situation, but any yeah. specifics, like... Oh. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So, you uh, then, Hamid gathers you all together, and Mr. Seeling's glad of that too, because he has some news. Yes, that he wants to kill the meritocrats and replace them with copies of himself. Well, it seems that that's the only way, because then they don't need to know, but everyone can still get helped, but he'll need some more brains. Zolf helped. Yeah, Zolf helped, so basically it's going to take over the world. However... Uh, so Hamid, uh, having gathered everyone together for a denouement, announces that he knew, knows who the murderer is. Quarrows the head <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no, different, different story. Uh, Hamid activates the self-destruct button, essentially. Mm. Broadly speaking, yes. Yeah. A giant, hideous, gestalt entity tears itself out from all of the robotics and proceeds to... Well, then we the enter a simulation, because Alex is such Spoilers. a good storyteller. Spoilers! Yeah. So, at that moment, as far as we're concerned, yeah, we have a big monster, a computer monster, which we beat up and then run away from. There's a big explosion, a very satisfying very one. We run around, we get out of the... Uh... And the entirety of Paris welcomes us as heroes. And everything is great, there's a ticker tape parade, Although all Sasha of our principal character objectives are fulfilled. in person running around at one point. Yep, and, uh, and no Hamid, gets, Hamid gets a message from his parents saying, hey, we actually love you, we're it's so fine, proud you're of not you a massive disappointment. Oh. Bertie is absolutely heroic enough and his contract's just done. He saved That's the it. world. He's yep. done. He's free. Yep. I don't know what happened to me. Uh, Zolf got um, a offer for a high-level commission, his own ship, oh, and yeah, also it. was off the hook with basically everything he's previously done. And I believe your family were also contacted, although it didn't go into too much detail. Yeah, just something happened. I don't know. And oh yeah, and, and it was Sasha, all a dream. Um, yeah, it was, it was literally was... all a dream. Because Alex is a monster. Yeah, it turned out you got everything you wanted. It's almost like wonderful things happened that dealt with the problem. And yeah. Hamid had a bit of a epis Hamid had a bit of an God, no, just stop them. <laughs> They're terrible. Hamid, it's really lazy. Hamid Sorry, had on. a bit of an existential crisis. So would you if you were trapped in a simulation run by a powerful machine that you had no hope of defeating? Correct. Whoa. So the uh... It's almost like Hamid is going to spend the rest of his life never knowing what truth is. Correct. So the rest of the party basically decide to go back to where the ordinators Well, I don't were. think Bertie does. I think we have a... There, there's one thing where Bertie's like, no, this is fine. This is this great. Is great. <laughs> Everything's fine. And I'll, I'll die happy and I'm protected from the contract. So, yeah. of course, let's and just keep going. Also, I think Sasha struggles coming back as well. Sasha actually was one of the first ones to have her suspicions because oh, Sasha okay. doesn't trust good news. That's fair. And basically, good news automatically set off alarm bells. So, yeah, yeah the whole party returned to the Ordinateurs to find a doorway leading to themselves. Back into in the, the real world. Yeah. However, Sasha, she can't go back out without fetching Hamid because she can't leave Hamid to his fate. Oh, that's it. Hamid gets really depressed. Yeah, yeah. he can't handle it. And just goes to eat. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he just gorges himself with Oscar Wilde. He just sits there and eats. Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> 
he sits there and eats an enormous amount of food with Oscar Wilde. And as Sasha is returning, he gets a visit from Brock in the form of the clockwork machine, but this time with a voice. And it tells, it tells him that, to look after Sasha. And he basically has no right to mope when there's stuff to be done. And it gives me just enough of a spark of hope to escape the simulation. So as Sasha's running back all heroically, she passes you running in the other direction. For goodness sake! You both run back in, head back into the ordinators, and we find you back at the moment when... I activate the self-destruct button. And everything just kind of turns Stops. off. Stops, yeah, it wasn't very dramatic. Deja vu. It's all right, there's an explosion soon. Well, there's, there's not really any... No big boom, nothing. There's a bit of a hiss. Yep. Uh, we're all just broken and... But wait, there were some... Traumatised. There were some massive elementals. Yes, because as you head down even deeper than the vault, you find out the alternate power source, which is four huge elementals oh, yeah. who have been contained and constrained. And Basically, there was some sort of puzzle, which we completely ignored. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, we could we could probably engage with this and therefore dodge any kind of ramification. Ah, push the buttons. Yeah. So <laughs> was was it Hammond who released the fire elemental? I forget. The fire elemental was weirdly fascinated by Hammond. Yeah. Indeed. And then you basically again relying on Sasha with yeah. both, still with no legs, bless him. I'm um, in a wheelchair at this point. Yeah, you're you're in really bad state. Basically get Sasha to push all the buttons and you all just flee and let them just duke it out for yeah. a while against one another and, and then the big go, elemental Barney. And then you go back down to find it pretty much dealt with and a door that Bertie had missed when they were searching the initial room because Bertie doesn't do so much of the looking, of the looking examining anything apart from exploiting. Mm. And yeah. managed to find the study of Francois Henri hidden away. Where he built the city or came up with the plans for Mr. Ceiling. Indeed. And you find definite links to the simulacrum. Yep. And also, something that kind of went unnoticed, but I'm going to bring up again. Sasha just stashed some tech while she was there. She just grabbed and stashed that stuff. Bertie got the legs. Uh, yep. Yep. And Bertie then basically... The Fancy expensive legs. Bertie fetches some robotic legs that Mr. Ceiling had fashioned. Yeah. And a robotic arm. But there's a moment between Hamid and Zolf where you unilaterally decide that all of this information, which you have been tasked to retrieve, is best destroyed. Yep. We do not want another Mr. Ceiling. Basically that. And you do so. Yep. So, Burn the, the ceiling turned off, you return to daylight, or at least you return to the upper levels to find an enormous number of staff who have had their memories rewritten again and again to forget, amongst other things, shambling corpse people who've been doing some admin, and a giant robot, and all these other things, are having a bit of a freak out. Yeah, as, as is the rest of the city of the world, actually. Because it turns out you've turned off basically everything. It's the computer that runs the economy. Yeah, and you turned it off. So you head out into an eerily quiet Paris where only the whimpers of those who have remembered things which they had probably rather have never remembered at all. You return to La Triomphe. Thankfully, though, you know, good news, okay? World is doomed to potential poverty and mass famine and all kinds of problems. They don't know that you lost the Triumph, though. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Humans and meritocrats are much more resilient than you're giving them credit for. We'll be fine without the evil computer. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's what so, they all say. Long story short, we go to the police station. Uh, lots of people are trying to uh, get in and wonder what the heck's going on. Yeah. And we demand to be seen. I think uh, Hamid gets his claws out and actually asserts some authority. And yeah, he does. Completely climbs. He, he doesn't get his claws out though. No. That would be less than. In a metaphorical. metaphorical <laughs> um, and yes, we manage to find Wild and debrief him. Yes. And tell him Woof. basically everything, yeah. including the fact. Yes. Um, including <laughs> the fact that uh, we discovered that uh, Bolag Smock 
one of the meritocrats in charge of magic. basically Prague and humans' interaction with magic. Is dead. And <gasps> has been for a while. <gasps> Things and stuff. So yeah, we, we handed our report, tell him everything that we've just told you, basically. And, and, and that's, that's pretty that's much it. where we end up. Well, the final thing to mention from season one is that we did indeed confirm that Francois Warrenry had helped us uh, design the simulacrum. And thanks to some judicious questioning of Mr. Sealing, mm. we found out who the designer of the simulacrum was. Mm. We found out it was Nikola Tesla. <gasps> A man in such disgrace that he was effectively exiled to, to America. America. So something to examine. Can there be a more severe punishment? Well, it's basically a wasteland, isn't it? Well, it wow, does, your uh, word's not mine. <laughs> at this point, of course, in the world building, America is still being attempted to be settled by humans, much to the annoyance of the native populations, and the humans there are having a rough time of it. It's but not much of a country right now. Not it's really. It's a, it's a struggling... Set of... Well, 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 it is a country. It's not much of a colony. It's, yes. It's, yes. It's, yeah, it's less original 13 states and more just in a state. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, eventually Hamid, uh, as Brutal refuses to even be near Bertie without attacking him, Hamid eventually gifts him to Madeline, the woman he went on a date with, who sadly things didn't click. And was doing a good job of actually trying to deal with she seemed pretty awesome. all of these broke yeah. down yeah. ordinatists. So as it stands, the world economy is off. Bertie's lost his dog. The whole party are in a bit of a complete Zolf emotional wreck. has literally no legs. Yeah. And Hamid genuinely is still not really over the fact that he doesn't know if he's in the real world or and not. And Brutal is going to live on a farm somewhere, so it's all fine for him. He's gone next door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's your downbeat ending for season one. Of course, though, lots of plot hooks and lots of reasons to be returning for season two, obviously. And we will see you then with Lydia, who will be back from her wild successes. Bye! Bye! Rusty Quill Gaming is a podcast distributed by RustyQuill.com and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial International License. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Alexander J. Newell. To comment on episodes, make donations, and view links, images, videos, and show notes, visit rustyquill.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at TheRustyQuill, or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening. indefinitely and unfairly for taking the train it gets much easier so we should probably like southern rail (laughs) (laughs) we should probably do each section (gasps) maybe that's what that is like the entire commuting population of Brighton is an NPC that's split off from the party and southern rail is what's been sent by the GM and by the GM in this case I do mean God I suppose (laughs) this all all got very this all got very big picture James yeah makes you think Mm, doesn't it though (laughs) hashtag deep yeah Hashtag shower thoughts. <laughs> uh, so he reacts very poorly to having his memory wiped, which shows a remarkable degree of self-knowledge for a dog. Well, you have um, an astonishingly high-handled animal and set yourself a task of teaching him to be people. Oh, you yeah. civilised him. He only eats at the table and yeah, wears yeah, yeah. clothes yeah. and things. So now, he's perfectly so. natural. I mean, it's... He's actually a very intelligent dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's just... just never been given the chance to shine by a world that wants to grind him down. That's why we need <laughs> comprehensive education for dogs. <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. <laughs> so you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne and host of Enthusiasm. Today I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to right now. So, search for Divisor, that's D-E-V-I-S-E-R, wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information. That's all from me. Enjoy your episode.